Welcome to episode 22 of Creative Writing. I'm your host, Barry Eminema. <laughs> that, 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 that sounds like something like the Native Americans would say, Barry Eminema, far away from camp. Um, all right, well, on this episode, I wanted to tell you that this is more of like a non-episode because I'm kind of gearing up to do some things uh, motorcycle-related to bring you guys some really great content. At least I think it's going to be great. We'll, we'll, we'll see about that, won't we? So anyway, yeah, I wanted to tell you that there already is a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, summertime, you know, motorcycle season's heating up no matter where you are in the world right now, unless I guess it's turning into winter. And so there's a lot of things going on. And this weekend alone in this part of town, there's countless things going on. But some of the major ones is the Hippie Killer Hoedown is going on out at the Paris Fairgrounds, I believe, is where it's at. Uh, Hippie Killer I'm not sure where they started out because when I first saw their stuff, it was down in San Diego. And maybe they were just down there. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, I believe they're in Winchester now, which is like out by Temecula. If you're from SoCal, you probably know where that is. And, uh, yeah, this weekend out at Lake Paris, they're going to be having at the – it's like the Farmer's Fairgrounds. They're going to be having the 8th Annual Hippie Killer. It's basically like a custom car and motorcycle show. They're going to have, obviously – Food, beer, music, all the fun stuff. It's usually pretty family-friendly, so if you want to go check that out, that would be pretty awesome. Support your local loser, right? Support your local motorcycle event and motorcycle scene. So, hey, sorry about all this banging. I got this new, like, mic holder, and it's got some springs. I'm going to do, like, a custom mod on this thing already to put some dampeners on the springs, like some either foam or... Or like little rubber hoses on the, just maybe some old gas hose that I have just to dampen. Every single time I barely bang the desk or where, anything where this is mounted, the springs just vibrate and act like an old amplifier, like an old reverb guitar amp. So I'm going to try and quit banging that all the time. I didn't know it was uh, translating right into the mic every time I did that. So enough behind the scenes action, let's get back to the motorcycle action. Another thing happening this weekend is the Southern California Cycle Swap Meet, which is happening in Long Beach. That happens every month. So this weekend is the month for that. They also have a motorcycle show there. But, I mean, you go out there, you're going to see all sorts of stuff, all sorts of parts, all sorts of goodies for your motorcycle. New, used, you know, vintage, modern, just whatever, whatever shows up out there shows up. That's the great thing about it. And the other great thing is that it's monthly. So it's really awesome if you miss out on something and you... Didn't get paid. Maybe you're riding low on your, on uh, you know, it's the week before you get paid or whatnot. Save up for next month. So that's another thing that's happening. I really wish I could go to. However, the Course in Moto Classic is happening. That's where I'm going to be. I'm going to be camping out there, uh, talking to some racers, hanging out with some racer friends that are there. Maybe I'll get some interviews while I'm there. Who knows? And if you're out there, uh, swing by and say hi. I'll be the guy uh, walking around. I have. Um, I'll have a hat on probably. So, yeah, look for me. And uh, just kind of wanted to say that this is going to be a non-episode because of that. I am gearing up to get some really special guests on the show. If you're from Terre Haute, Indiana, we're going to be talking about cheese in the next episode, so stay tuned. 
Perhaps if you're from Australia, I haven't sealed the deal on that yet. I haven't even really made the deal on that yet. So I will get on that. Um, a couple Australian people that I have my eyes on coming on to the show hopefully soon here. And um, some other great people that are dead. Yes, I'm going to be interviewing some dead people. Those uh, interviews ought to go pretty fast. I don't know if they'll have much to say. But anyway, yeah, I just wanted to get a few things off my plate today that I was thinking about. Things that popped up this week. First and foremost, um, I think that uh, that right okay right this week I've already seen it about fifty three thousand times is this viral video of a couple few guys riding down the road more than a few guys a handful of guys at least riding down the road and this freaking dog runs out and the dude totally biffs it over the dog and you know it's totally gone viral and this dude in a um, 18 wheeler locks up the brakes probably has to change his drawers because he almost just ran over two motorcyclists that's not all the video that i saw from the bat guy looks like he got knocked down as well and i believe when they go back there is a third and possibly even fourth bike on the ground so this is a multiple bike thing that happens here now uh, let me describe it for you in case you haven't seen it um i and if you're um, deaf. I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but I will try to do some sign language here to show you how it's, how it looks. Okay, ready? So there's a dude driving down the down the road on a supermoto. You can hear him throttle down right before you see this fawn-colored thing just blob run out on in front of him, and uh, goes between him and the guy in front of him. Luckily, well then he's looking in his peripheral vision, and you see a guy on what I think is a old CBR. Just hit it. And this dog locks up the f- tire better than six piston Brembos, dude. This thing just whoosh, goes under there and tucks the front. The guy eats shit, and you just hear this, you know, this slowed down sound effect in the video. The guy falls, and it shows you that, um, you know, you don't have to be a squid to crash. You just have to have a wild animal run in front of you. And then a guy on a supermoto also. He's already on the paint stripes, basically, and he tucks his front end and just goes down. I think you can see a little tire smoke, too. Number one, there's there's a few things to to learn from this video. Let's start at the top, and that is... um at gap, motherfucker, that dog needed to be wearing some gear. If that dog was going to run out into a group of motorcycles, first and foremost, he should have at least had a helmet on, all right? But uh, there's a slowed-down video still where you can see this guy bending in half like a wet noodle. So I would also recommend a Helite vest and maybe like an Icon. Um, I forget what the, it's called, but maybe it's the Variant che- uh, chest and back protector. I mean, this dog went out there with not so much as a fucking glove on, so... First and foremost, that dog really needs to take an MSF safety course, and the owner of the dog needs to get flogged. I know everyone's like, oh, the dog, the dog, the poor dog. But, dude, what about the three motorcycles and the semi-driver that, you know, ate shit and semi-driver probably had to buy a new pair of pants, all right? If you let your dog out in the first place or you have a yard that you don't uh, keep your animals safe the owner is the one that's uh, at fault here because they're the one that needed to protect their precious pet and keep it from getting hurt and keep these motorcyclists from getting hurt and keep that uh, 18-wheeler of freedom from flat-spotting his precious tires. Those things ain't fucking cheap. And if you look at the skid marks, those things go for, I don't know, at least 50 yards. So probably as long as the skid marks in that guy's undies. So my thing is that the owner of the dog needs to be found and needs to be flogged, maybe have a soap party with that 
piece of shit. Yeah, I said it. The piece of shit. <laughs> so, all right. Second thing we can learn here is don't you practice your motorcycle skills every time you ride? You never grab a handful of brass. That's a panic move. That's a rookie move, dude. You never use the front brake in a corner unless you are an advanced rider that knows how to trail brake properly. And you never grab front brake when something goes in front of you. You're supposed to swerve and then brake. Don't you remember the rider handbook? Swerve, then brake. Swerve, then brake. Don't grab a handful of brake and tuck the front wheel. That guy, the guy that hit the dog had no choice. That dog uh, basically squeezed the front brake with his body, you know, for that guy. But the dude behind him should have never crashed. They were riding staggered enough, it looked like, that he had an opportunity to swerve and uh, you know, granted, you don't want to swerve into the path of an oncoming 18-wheeler, but at the same time, he should have been able to slow. Hell, he was on a supermoto. He probably could have wheelied out over that thing and, you know, jumped over that uh, CBR, but whatever. That's my opinion. Things happen quickly, I understand. And the third thing is that dude that fell off the CBR went tumbling, and the second video perspective is of a guy a little bit further back in the pack that sees it all go down. And the last thing we see right before the video stops is the dude from the CBR's head coming right into basically what looks like this guy's, um, not his front wheel, but maybe he went under the back tire or something. It looked like he probably hit the side of this ninja or something like that. That's that's the third bike I'm saying. I swear I saw a black ninja on the full video that was also laying on its side, and I think it's because the dude on the CBR came in and, and whacked him, and he fell over trying to avoid him. So, geez, talk about a fucking one little crazy dog trying to cross the road um, just causing a whole you know, viral video and hellacious panic on the freeway on this little rural freeway so yeah first and foremost if you're the owner of a bent and half dog you should get slapped you should be ashamed of yourself and i hope they never find you because you're gonna have a bunch of biker boys pretty upset that you owe them some fairings i'm sure they didn't have um, frame sliders on their bike so you're gonna have some splaining to do sucker second of all there is no second of all All right, next on my list of stuff to talk about, I'm sure we've all heard the news. I'm not a MotoGP fan, as I told you. I'm, I'm giving it up for World Superbike, and I'm going to talk about World Superbike in a sec. But the worst-kept news in motorcycle racing history, Lorenzo going to Ducati. Um, yeah, this has been accidentally, I'm going to quote that, not even leaked. It was just you know kind of known. Somebody's Somebody's got to move to Ducati. And uh, Lorenzo and Rossi have been, like, friendly rivals. Could you say? I'd say rival. I don't even think they're friendly rivals. I think they're just rivals. And, you know, Rossi's been playing this whole mind game thing. I don't think it's going to work with Lorenzo. I actually kind of decided when everybody was rallying around uh, Rossi this year, I, I actually think I told my coworker that I'm going for Lorenzo. You know, I, I'm not sure about this Marquez guy. He kind of looks like a Muppet. And he's a little too clean cut for me. I think Lorenzo's got something sneaky and devious underneath his uh, cool facade there. So I'm a Lorenzo guy now. So hate me if you must. Unsubscribe to this podcast if you will, even though it's not about racing and I don't even watch it anymore. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, so world's worst kept secret. The thing is, is that if Lorenzo can go to Ducati, which uh, to, to talk to Ducati, I used to love watching Ducati's race because I loved, you know, watching um, basically Casey Stoner and Troy Bayless, my two favorite all-time Ducati racers. But the thing is, is that when I used to watch him, 
it, was, it sucked because they would have the lead forever and ever and ever, and then the next thing you know, like the last like seven laps of the race, the Ducati would just take a dive. It was like watching a fixed fight almost. And everyone was talking about Casey Stoner's, uh, you know, that weird illness that he had when he started to slip up and whatnot. But he, you know, he was riding a substandard bike and he won a championship on Ducati. So don't forget that. But finally, when Rossi went over to Ducati and he couldn't pull off this win, you know, and it was an Italian on an Italian bike and everyone was happy. And Rossi's like, oh, shit, what have I done? I'm wrecking my chances for my 10th you know championship and he probably if he hadn't gone to ducati he might have been able to have secured that because uh that was the year marquez came in right was that the same year marquez came in and uh he would have just i don't know he would have had a couple more years of being able to you know suit the yamaha better to his needs and he would have had to been racing with a shitty co-worker that he didn't like but at the same time you know that's two more years on a bike you're familiar with rather than trying to go over there and fix something that casey stoner told him was wrong all along so when ducati figured out that rossi couldn't couldn't get it done on this bike they finally believed that all the shit that casey stoner had been telling them all this whole time and they redesigned it so now their new uh the new bike i forget the person's name the designer that came on and uh, helped him suss it out but yeah basically they've redesigned the whole bike and Casey Stoner riding this thing he's not too far off the lap times of the the actual people that have been racing it during the season because it's that much better it's like a whole different bike so uh, there was a article I think it was Road Racing World or Motorsports World I'm not 100% sure where I saw it but it kind of said the same thing where you know Jorge Lorenzo is going over at the right time and Rossi left at the wrong time basically if he would have they would have changed their minds and figured this stuff out you know too bad Ducati didn't pull their head out of their ass a little bit sooner but at any rate it's going to be really exciting to see uh, what shakes down next year the funny thing is is that it's almost like you know Bill Gates putting in his uh two-week notice at microsoft and saying it's going to go to apple and then but having to finish out you know the the next let's say like six months at microsoft right so it's like dude you're going to go to this other company you have all of our secrets but we have to like you because for the next six months you know and, and in jorge lorenzo's case it's going to be the next the remainder of the racing season he's you're going to be on a bike that you know you're leaving going to a manufacturer that is, a, you know, obviously a direct competitor with all this knowledge and development. So they have to, like, support him. And if you go on MotoGP, I think, it was if it was MotoGP or if it was, like, the Honda Racing website. I'm not, I can't remember our Yamaha Racing website. can't remember 100% where I saw it because I've been looking at so much crap the last week. But it said, you know... Uh, Lorenzo and Yamaha, The Amazing Journey, and it was like this little documentarian-looking thing, and I was just cracking up. I was like, yeah, they have to, like, kiss his ass right now because he could, he's walking away with all the talent from that team, basically. And do you even know who else rides for Yamaha? Oh, yeah, that Rossi guy? Yeah. So who's going to move up into Lorenzo's spot? I don't know, but, you know, the thing is is that Ducati is going to be the team to watch next season. The other thing I forgot to mention is that if Lorenzo does go to Ducati and wins a championship on it, they've somehow figured out that he's like not likely to surpass Rossi's uh, total number of championships. But if he does 
um, win on the Ducati that he'll be one of the there's only five people right now in the last 70 some odd years of racing that have won a championship on two makes and that's um, Geoff Duke and I, I know his name's not Geoff I know it's Jeff but I hate that spelling of Jeff so uh, so Jeff Duke uh, Giacomo Agostini Eddie Lawson um, Casey Stoner and Valentino Rossi. So uh, Lorenzo will put himself up in that list of greats on a Ducati, which you know Rossi couldn't do. So, so uh, speaking not of Ducati, let's let's talk about World Superbike. Even though obviously I haven't been watching them, I'm kind of paying attention to the uh, results because I was excited that there's an American in that series and. I have to say, Nicky Hayden, for, he retired for, in a couple races, but the races that he didn't retire in, he came in top 10 every time. The The lowest was a ninth, then like a seventh, a couple sixes, a fifth, a third. So he's actually in fifth place right now in the World Superbike points, and that's there's a race coming up in like a week, and that this is only the fourth race, I want to say, or, well, fourth you know track because they race on saturday and sunday so um yeah this is only the, f- the fourth track they've been to and he's already in fifth place for the season so that's pretty good he's starting out strong and uh kind of shows you also you know he was on a ducati right so i think ducati had a lot of stuff to answer for and being ducati and you know all that stuff they when you're like a top boutique marquee like that you don't I think you kind of tend to like toot your own horn. There's so many Ducatistas. And there's so many people that like their products and like their old, even vintage bikes. I mean, it's like if someone told Harley you shouldn't make cruisers because things are changing, like in the face of, you know, maybe like a, where cruisers are going to be outlawed the next year. I think Harley would be like, no, no, we're going to go out doing what we did. You know, like they wouldn't. We're not going to change. We're not going to change. I think it took a lot for Ducati to change, and it was the fact that they they not winning anything, and that's what they need to start doing. They're turning into the EBR of um, motorcycle racing, so except for that people can actually buy their bikes places, um, and that's another story. So anyway, something else new that dropped this week that was directly in my radar was the XL 1200CX, and if you don't know what that is. Um, you're not familiar with Harley model designations, and you're like, wait, the XL1200X, that's, you know, that's a 48 or whatever. Well, the CX, that's the new Roadster, my friends. And I have to say that um, I know I joked about it a a while back, a few months ago, that um, the R9T Scrambler's coming out and that Harley really needed to get their shit in gear and get a Scrambler on, you know, some platform at least where they could compete with the Scrambler. Well, they did, and I thought it would be like an 800 since the Scrambler is an 800, but I guess you can take the Iron 883 and transform that into enough things, and now the Street 750. So they're like, you know, no, we're not going to do these smaller bikes. We need to, you know, get up with the R9T and the, you know, whatever big Scramblers are going to be coming out. And they got the Roadster. The Harley-Davidson Roadster dropped this week, I believe, and... uh yeah, that thing looks pretty sweet. The thing is, is it's higher. It, it almost looks like the 48, but with the bobbed fender. And um, like a little bit more bobbed than any of the bikes they have, except for maybe the breakout, but that fender is like huge wide. I'm talking about the sporty fenders. All of the 
you know, the 48 and the Iron 883, this thing bobs the fender just a little bit more. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence. If you look at um, Rusty Butcher, check those guys out on Instagram or I don't think they have Facebook, but, you know, any anything where you can find those guys, uh, pictures of them and stuff, check out their bikes. Check how Bob the rear fender is. And uh, I think that's what Harley-Davidson's going for. They're, they're catering to the flat track slash scrambler market right now because that's what's hot. So basically the f- platform is a little bit raised up. If you look at a 48, it still is, you know, kind of has the rake of like an old cruiser. So it dips down a little bit further in the back and it's a little bit lower of a ride and it's got the solo seat on it. Um, if you look at the 48, it's a two-up seat, but it's kind of styled like a cafe slash tracker style seat. So they took care of that um, in in the cushion. And the fender, like I said, is real bobbed in the back. The forks are inverted. So what my coworker was like, hey, do you think they're going for like the, um, you know, the old XR crowd? And I was like, no, those XRs were badass. And they were pretty much based on like a giant version of an XR 750 flat tracker, basically. I mean, they, from everything from the airbox to the fuel tank to everything on those XRs was totally different. Pardon me. I still have some, they're copyrighted, so I can't publish them, but I have some technical pictures of these, you know, the airbox and everything from, from that. And that bike was just so awesome. And everything was, was cool about the way that they built that. And that was like a really sweet bike that I'm sad left. But of course, if you're a Harley guy, you don't want to buy like a naked sport bike looking thing. You know, naked sport bikes sell bad enough in the U.S., but definitely for Harley. So I was kind of sad when that thing went away. And um, But now, so they're going to try it with the Roadster, I guess. The funny thing is I think they used to have a bike called the 883 Roadster. And they also had the Hugger, which was, you know, based off the Camaro Hugger. And it even was like orange with white stripes on it and stuff is you know pretty sweet looking bike but the roadsters they used to have a 1200 roadster too i believe but they didn't look like this like this looks like it's catering straight to like the hipster crowd that's trying to do you know it's just what i guess what i'm getting down to is it's like a really slick looking platform that's almost hooligan class ready and it's like i said it's kind of got like some tracker look to it too and scrambler look so you throw some different pipes on there and you don't really have to mess with the seat to get that look. You know, just throw some DT1s and some high pipes on it or something, or like a two-into-one, and you have basically like a out-of-the-box tracker look that would definitely compete with the R9T Scrambler that's coming out and the Ducati Scrambler. So, yeah, I think Harley finally is realizing they're not going to be a Kawasaki and introduce shit five years too early or ten years too late. They're going to actually do it this time. So, And um, speaking of Kawasaki, I don't want to badmouth Kawasaki, uh, but they don't sell any of the shit that would totally be on fire for the past two years now. Let me see. Ducati released their Scrambler in 14, I believe, and uh, Kawasaki has had this W800 and maybe even a 600 forever, and I can't. I don't know if they if they have a 600 because they don't sell it here. I mean, it's not something I'm super familiar with. But, yeah, they got these W-series bikes that kind of had this, like, retro tracker feel already that just would have been on fire right now with this latest craze that's coming in. And they're even really Cafe Racer-esque. Um, so you could have, you know, going back five years when that shit started to get real hot, you could have thrown a little kit on these things, throw some Clubmans and some rear sets and 
Bob's your uncle, but Kawasaki, they do everything either five years before it's time or 10 years after it's time. So we'll see a scrambler from them. Like right now, the cafe racer craze has been fading out for the past. If you go look at Bike XF, I'm sure that's going to be a time capsule of what's totally cool because um, basically pipe wrap and and clip-ons are going out. And if you look at Bike XF from a few years ago, that's what it all was. Now the tracker, scramblers, surfboard, skateboard, I think sidecars are like going to be the next big thing for some reason. Um, people just get lazy and don't want to get their motorcycle endorsement, and they just want to carry their surfboard and their friends around. Sidecars, that's it, you know? So, yeah, I've seen a lot more sidecar stuff springing up. But, but to get back to my point, if you get your if you are truly hipster and not a motorcyclist and you are getting your cues from bike xf and not actually making stuff that's getting on bike xf first then you will see that pipe wrap and clip-ons went went away because the cafe thing faded out as this tracker and scrambler thing came in and what does kawasaki release this year the vulcan s cafe so you know gavel down i'm right there's no no dismissing that kawasaki is way late on their stuff or super 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 early so i mean having invented like the first quote sport bike with the z1 so yeah anyway that was a couple of the things on my radar what else do i got here let me check my notes since this isn't really an episode i'm just gonna uh, babble on about a little bit of stuff here oh yeah the physics of the engines so that's another thing I wanted to talk about is because looking at the MotoGP bikes and, and all the race bikes, basically, except for the super stock and stuff, they're either V4 or inline four. And I had just read this really cool article about running backwards, you know, running the crank um, counterclockwise to the, to the direction of travel. And apparently that's what's holding back the Honda. And Marquez was super fast uh, in his first couple races this year. And that's because Honda has gone backwards with uh, their cranks. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the crank spins forward and your wheels spin forward. And it creates like extra gyroscopic motion that makes it super stable in the corners. I mean, I'm sorry, in the straights, but in the corners, it's a little bit harder to turn because your engine inertia is still traveling forward, even though your wheel is turning now. And you're, and you're, you know, you're trying to create this arc with this engine that's still pointing straight. It's, it's a reason why when I used to autocross, some of my cars understeered and some oversteered. And it's because basically not only does the um, orientation of the engine matter, the crank spin matters. So on a car, it's a little bit less pronounced. It's more... Um, you know, that that had more to do with the way my engine was facing than the way the crank was spinning in the car because you got a couple extra wheels to rely on. But on a bike, when you're when you're literally relying on gyroscopic motion, it makes all the difference. And so, yeah, they they reverse the crankshaft to go backwards so that you don't get as good um, straight line. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like stability, I guess. But, you know, those guys, they're used to wiggling around and holding on f- like a for dear life, you know, like a um, like a fly in a windstorm to a stick or something. That's a terrible analogy. Let's just get on with it, okay? Will you quit making me say dumb stuff on this show? Um, so anyway, yeah, when they're going down the straights, they, they could care two shits about stability because they're like in the wind next to each other, jiggling all over, tar snakes, yada, yada, yada. So when they get in the corners is where it matters. And if you have the crankshaft going backwards, when you turn that it reduces 
inertial moment basically and makes that bike just fall in and turn the corner a little bit faster it's, it's just more flickable i guess when the crankshaft's going backwards is uh basically the way to say in about five words what i just took three minutes to say so enough about that uh something that i saw in the news that was interesting to me and this is not motorcycle related yet but as we've seen everything is starting to trickle down into motorcycles so all this if you go back to episode four and listen to sits um the intra communicative system that's like going into everything now um there is a big an announcement this year from toyota they're teaming up with microsoft to create a separate company called toyota connected i believe toyota connected or toyota connect let me look at my notes in texas so that's where they're going they're going to texas to create toyota connected and um hey i think texas instruments is from there you know being considered like a hokey cowboy state uh, a lot of technical stuff is actually located in texas i think it's like a cover like act like a dumb hick so we can put all of our tech stuff there so anyway yeah toyota is teaming up with Microsoft, and what they're doing is now that there is, you know, a whole bunch of sensors and intracommunicative things with with your car nowadays, and your car is basically a connected computer on wheels, um, and they're working towards self-driving cars, and then all the technology that's going into that, they can track everything, basically, and they have been able to for a few years now. I don't know if I mentioned it a long time ago when I started mentioning the SIT stuff where when you get in a crash now, you can already pull up telemetry from your car to see what was going on when you crashed, and that's how a lot of things like the progressive snapshot, if you're not familiar with that, and I think Allstate has one where you put these, you hook these little computers into your car's um, ECU port, and all it is is just like a little connector with a box on it. And what it does is it reads all the habits of how you drive. They have them now. They've had them for the last at least five years um, that the insurance companies are using to see how you're driving. Are you lying? Well, and even if you're not lying, are you just lucky? You know, are you just are you not crashing because uh, other people have, are better drivers than you? And so they're pulling up telemetry on your car to see you can get a good driver discount for being a good driver by using our you know progressive snapshot and whatever the hell the other Allstate thing is. But basically what they're saying is we can track you by your car's uh, ECU and, and read the telemetry off of it. So needless to say that 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 uh, technology has been around to access through your ECU and that's how like onboard diagnostic computers work you just stick them in there and they scan for codes and all that stuff but since your car is essentially becoming uh, a wireless and hooked up you know constantly connected vehicle now and you don't really need that little um, physical connection to to read telemetry off your car your car can send that shit out uh, via you know whatever connect thing you have you know basically it's like on start a big brother and toyota teamed up with microsoft so that all their cars the telemetry that's getting read is going to get sent to microsoft microsoft's going to mine this data from a for marketing purposes and b for insurance purposes they're going to see how traffic patterns are in your area and this all goes to the cits uh, episode that i'm talking about number four where sure sits is great because it allows 
the cars in the environment to read road conditions, get road conditions from your car that feeds them back to them and it feeds it back down the line, helps lighten traffic, helps talk about, uh, you know, the cars will communicate about road conditions and road surfaces. Maybe they're wet, maybe there's construction, yada, yada. So all that data is now going to be going to the insurance companies. They're going to market this out. Probably Microsoft, I'm guessing, is going to market this out to uh, like crash solution companies that write like estimating software, insurance solution companies that, you know, like I guess insurance underwriting companies, stuff like that, and say, hey, look, here's in this area, here's what the local traffic's doing, here's how the road conditions are, here's what the average traffic conditions and average crashes and yada yada. And so basically they're going to use that information to um, adjust your premium up or down. And so they're not going to go off police reports anymore and police crashes and uh, burglary and theft and accident reports and all this stuff they used to compile. They'll just read it right off your car's computer. Microsoft will have this neat little package that they'll give to Toyota. Toyota can say, aha, now we can use this to fully integrate our self-driving cars and develop technology based on how we receive this information. And Toyota can use it to further their advancement of autonomous vehicles, while Microsoft can, like I said, market this stuff to the companies that want to rely on that data for pricing, for insurance premiums, probably for parts, you know, if they can, if they can see, I, I know for a fact that when I used to work at a body shop, certain parts like right hand side parts were more expensive than left hand side parts because people were more likely to turn, at least in the US, the driver is not on the right side. So you wouldn't, wouldn't see something, you'd turn into it or people come from stop signs and bang into each other on the right side more, whatever it was. They get that data from somewhere, and that data used to probably come from insurance companies where they're condensing it down and seeing, hey, we have more right-side collisions this year than last year, and we, they track where all the parts are going. And, you know, so that's it's all going to be ro rolled and wrapped into one, and uh, the future, as George Orwell put it um, so eloquently back in the 1800s when he wrote 1984 is, you know, it's coming true. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. So don't hate Toyota, maybe hate Microsoft a little bit more if your insurance premium goes up. Um, something else I noticed, I'm going to have to pick up the mic for this one. God, I hope that didn't blow your eardrums out. So the Top Gear lineup has been announced. And this these notes are from last month, I think. It's stuff I did not get to and why I needed the last episode to, to clear out my clipboard here. But the Top Gear lineup has been announced. And if you used to love Clarkson and May and, you know, um, oh, God, who am I forgetting? <laughs> oh, shit. Don't kill me. Don't. And I'm sure you're yelling at the speakers right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. What an idiot. So anyway, the full lineup is back, and this time they got F1 commentator uh, Eddie Jordan, who I don't even know. I'm not a big F1 follower, but I've never heard of Eddie Jordan. Um, they have a world record-breaking German race car driver named Sabine Schmitz. Uh, the U.S. actor Matt LeBlanc is going to be on there, so... Yeah, this is already turning out to be a shit show, right? There's a car reviewer and presenter, Rory Reed, who I think I may have heard um, before. Then the YouTube star, Chris Harris, who I believe is Chris Harris might be on Drive and a couple other car networks. So he's legit on the tube, as they say. And then, of course, the Stig. Um, 
or another replicant. I don't know how many Stigs they've crashed, but I, all I all I know is that the Stig is a clone. So uh, basically, you know, they just pull another one out of the mold and throw him in there. So yeah, instead of having three awesome guys that everybody fell in love with, like James May, Jeremy Clarkson, damn it, I'm drawing a blank. Why can't I Richard think of Hammond, the third guy? Anyway, um, yeah, so you're going to have five people now that nobody's ever heard of, but, you know, to get the three of those guys together, the chemistry that they had, to get that same chemistry with five people, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I think it's going to just be a bland um, clusterfuck, to be honest and blunt. So, you know, I haven't watched that show forever anyway, but now it's, it appears it's coming back with the worst possible lineup ever. So... For what it's worth, there is a, a rundown. All right. Well, thanks for hanging around with me uh, for this episode, and I'll talk to you next week. Hey, I was just kidding. You didn't think I was going to bail this early already, did you? We still got a little bit to go. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about was something that I actually uncovered last Friday, I believe it was. And uh, I was kind of holding off on it because I'd already recorded the podcast till this week. And that was um, the Yamaha has like a baby Tenere coming out. And uh, now everybody's got it on their freaking websites and everything. So I, I always miss these things by, I don't know, like a week that, that I like just like this dog video. I'm sure by the time this podcast comes out, it's going to be old news already. So anyway, yes, yeah, spy shots were taken in Italy of like a baby Tenere based off of the MT-07 which is basically like the FZ07 here in the States, uh, same thing. And I actually saw, okay, the original um, article that I'm looking at, I looked at on the 13th. And then today, they dropped the MT-07 Tracer. Now, they look a lot different. The, I mean, the Tracer is, is an MT-07 adventure bike. But the little baby Tenere one that I was looking at looks a lot different. So I don't know if it's the same bike or or if it was just this uh, fairing that they had in it. Because the, the pictures of the spy shots that I saw what looks like a Tenere fairing. And there is Jesus, barely a seat. I mean, there's no rear body. Uh, on this thing it's super super basic they're just basically getting the chassis out in the wind and even the fairing is a looks like just like a fiberglass um, blank basically so maybe this is the tracer the wheels are all dirty though so you can tell they took it off-roading to see how it would handle and from what they were saying this thing was supposed to come out in the 2017 range so i don't know if this is the same thing as the one they just dropped uh it'd be awfully weird that for photos to come out one week before it drops, you know, spy photos. So I don't, I don't think it's the same thing. So anyway, stay tuned. We may see a 700 Tenere or it may, maybe this tracer thing that looks suspiciously like a V-Strom. So minus, you know, the beak, the old V-Strom. So, so that's one thing that happened. Uh, this will definitely be at the front of the news because it just happened yesterday is that, uh, the purple one passed, Yes, if you are uh, from uh, Minneapolis or you know anywhere in Minnesota, probably, and most of the rest of the world, you grew up listening to Prince, and um, you know we lost Bowie this year. Now we lost Prince. It's likely that if you're over the age of thirty, that uh, you probably had sex with Prince, or 
you know, easily like a six degrees of separation sort of thing that you've had sex with somebody that had sex with Prince. So that guy, uh, I don't know, he was just a, a sexual icon. So uh, in honor of the purple one and via suggestion by listener Paul, um, in response to the family video that I put up by another musician named Hani El Khatib, I'm doing this uh, segment in my underwear. So just just so you know, I probably won't be posting up any video or any pics. So uh, thank me for that. Another thing that you could thank me for is uh, I'm probably going to be heading out tomorrow night to Sandro's Bike Night. It's happening at the Omoto Cafe, which is in Pasadena. And I've never gone to this place before. I didn't even know it was there. And I used to hang out there and drink coffee at the Rose Cafe, Cafe Rosa. I forget what the hell it was called. But anyway, it's like the Playhouse District in Pasadena. So I might check that out. Also on May 7th, they have International Female Ride Day. I was pretty disappointed by the uh, Ivy League flat track on Women's Appreciation Night because I really didn't see many women there when I was uh, at the event. I took my little daughter and I was like, hey, where's all the girls? So uh, hopefully this will have some females there hanging out and we can check it out. It's happening. That's on Saturday. Uh, Let me see what time it is for you. That's going from... 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Saturday, May 7th, the International Female Ride Day. So that'd be kind of cool to go check that out and see what that's all about. So, yeah, if you do go down to Sandro's Bike Night uh, tomorrow night at the Omoto Cafe in Pasadena, Friday the 22nd, uh, look for me. I'll probably be there. I'll be the guy on the motorcycle. Um, There's probably going to be a few people on motorcycles, so look for me. I'll probably have the weird shirt on. So hopefully I'll see you there. And something else I wanted to mention was the... I did remember who else I was forgetting from the Top Gear cast, and it was um, Richard Hammond. How the hell could I forget Richard Hammond? He was the quiet guy. That's why. He was the butt of the jokes. He was the straight man. And actually, he has a pretty cool, pardon me, some pretty cool show shows or show that he did after Top Gear that uh, I forget if, if it was a historical show or like how things are made or something like that. Science I just remember watching a couple episodes of it and it was pretty cool. Um, I would, you know, can't believe I forgot him. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. You'll be in the sorry list for sure. Uh, something else I wanted to talk about was the, uh, what was I listening to today? The Cafe Racer podcast. And they mentioned a couple things that was pretty funny that had me screaming at the speakers. I hate you probably do that to me all the time. Like hear me say something stupid and you're screaming at the speakers like earlier. Who's Richard Hammond, you idiot. So I was screaming today at the uh, Cafe Racer podcast when they were talking about the they brought up briefly, very, very briefly, the uh, tan bike color scheme and how it's like fairly new and i was like dude harley had sand camo denim on models that they don't even carry anymore so that sand color has been around for quite a while just depends where you were looking uh and sand i guess is now coming in i I, they were talking about how the toyota new toyota tacoma or toyota tundra or something like that comes in a sand color and one of the people at my uh kid's daycare the you know the dad just got a new toyota with that actual paint scheme it looks pretty badass but sand is nothing new it's been around for quite a while and it sounds like it's maybe becoming like the new hipster color of choice uh also what they said the ducati that they were thinking of and the off-road Ducati that was a sand color, Stephen kind of liked. And Crash was like, oh, like the 1200 
whatever it is that new 1200 uh desmo or whatever r adventure r yeah 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 no what steven was talking about was the terra corsa right that is like the panigale uh, i for some reason i thought it was jensen beeler's bike i don't know if it, if it is or not um but it's the it's like a ducati panigale with dirt tires on it and it looks pretty tight you should check it out uh, look up terra corsa it's that's why they call it Terra Corsa is because it's the Corsa family and it's Terra for dirt, you know, dirt sport bike, basically. Which brings up something that I stuck on Facebook a while back was some thing that goes on in Sweden. Apparently, uh, you know, the Europe has like the coolest ideas ever and it looks like they do like the most fun shit on motorcycles. And I don't know what it was called. I'm looking for it right now, but it was uh, basically a bunch of dirt uh, dirt tires that were fitted to sport bikes, and they would have this little event where they took them around just on the motocross course and just, like, bombed them, and it was pretty fun looking, and I want to find out what that was called, and I will let you know, but yeah, I think that'd be fun to do something like that here. Like, with the hooligan class and all that stuff happening, I feel like people are becoming less of like super hyper competitive here and like a little bit more fun loving, which is getting back to where things used to be. You know what I mean? I think that I feel like that people who started doing things for fun, people started racing around fields for fun and then it became flat track or people started driving through, you know, valleys and uh, dales for fun. And then, Hey, I bet I could do it faster than you. And then that became motocross. You know what I mean? So I feel like we're kind of getting away from fun stuff. We're getting, everything has to be like a sponsorship or a, uh, I don't know, a money-making sort of scheme nowadays. And I feel like if we brought stuff back like the, uh, whatever this thing is that they do in Sweden, where they take these, uh, obviously made for road racing bikes throw dirt tires on them and call it an event i feel like we'd be having more fun so hopefully we can get back to doing stuff like this i still haven't found what it's called bear with me hang on one sec found it it's called zwarte cross yeah and i'll pin it to the top of our facebook page maybe for the next few days till i get back from the motocorsa so yeah Anyways, I don't know. I think for a non-episode, we've we've done pretty good. There's 45 minutes of solid shenanigans here. I'm thinking maybe I should start the sorry list now. Before I do, though, you know where to find us. Creative-writing.com Creative writing on Tumblr. Look for us at creative underscore writer on Twitter and Periscope. And keep your eyes peeled because I'm probably going to be Periscoping from the course of this weekend. I'll try to take lots of pictures uh, as far as you can see from the racetrack. It's a pretty vast landscape out there. There's not much good. uh, I mean, you you know, you're going to get one perspective. So it's not like watching a race on TV or anything like that. But there will be a bike show and swap meet. So I will be taking plenty of Periscope footage of that if all goes well. And you can uh, leave me a review on iTunes. 
or Stitcher, which I don't know why you do that because I don't think I'm in Stitcher, but, you know, Google Play, whatever, Dog Podcatcher, Ogcast, Dogcast, Vlogcast. Uh, you can go to SoundCloud and look for Creative Writing Podcast. Of course, you can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Creative Writing Podcast. Shoot the show an email at uh, Creative Writing Podcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to be on the show or you have a great story to share, uh, go ahead and email it to me. Send me an audio clip. Do whatever you want. We'll, I'll save it for Solstice Slam. And if it's uh, something you want to get out, you have a company or a cause doing something great, email the show. You want to be a guest on it? That's all you got to do is email me. So anyway, uh, yeah, check out our website for some features and write-ups from... Uh, a guest write-up, I guess I should say, sort of. Um, and always, if there's nothing interesting going on here and you're sick of hearing me, just go over there. I don't always update it all the time. Um, but when I do, I feel like I'm giving you the most interesting man in the world sketch right now. So I'm not going to continue speaking any any further. Let's get to the sorry list. The views of creative writing are that of the asshole talking on the microphone and not necessarily anyone else at creative writing we'd like to say sorry to the following people dogs semi drivers supermotos youtube sorry to Terre Haute, indiana sorry to australia sorry to toyota microsoft corporation rusty butchers and instagram sorry to allstate insurance texas instruments george orwell and toyota connected Sorry to Progressive Insurance Company, Top Gear, the Harley-Davidson Roadster, Iron 883, and the 48. Sorry to the new Top Gear cast and the old Top Gear cast, which was James May, Jeremy Clarkson, and Richard Hammond. Sorry to Yamaha, MotoGP, Ducati, and Yamaha again, just for being such a crazy company. Sorry to Lorenzo, Rossi, Marquez, and Stoner. And the others, like Jeff Duke, or Geoff Duke, Eddie Lawson, Giacomo Agostini, and once again, the Honda Corporation. All right. Keep your mitts on the grips. What's his face? That other Italian guy. God damn it. Now I'm going to punch myself in the face. If you're from Wisconsin, um, you're probably going to dig a couple episodes coming up. Who let a hobo in here to shit? Check, check. All right. That was my lips going back and forth together uh, to make this crazy little sound while I was thinking and stalling for time and waiting for some news to come out today. Uh, One thing I did want to talk about, and then you see this little brown, and it's uh, totally silly. And it just tossed him right off. Oh, man, the dog, the dog. Dude, forget the fact that I just mentioned like half a million other people from these other countries. Rest in peace, Prince. Until next time.